You are listening to the Mission Matters Podcast Network, where we amplify the stories of entrepreneurs, executives, and experts. Hey, everyone. I'm Ken Goldberg. Welcome back to Leveling the Playing Field, where we debunk myths, fallacies, and misunderstandings about the markets, investing, and risk. While occasionally we have special guests on the show to talk about how they're leveling the playing field, today we're going to focus on a follow-up from last week, which was the crash of 2022 in the markets. Yes, I could do an update every week, and I won't, but as things start to mature as our work has forecasted, I'm not going to leave you hanging out there so you don't know where we are in the whole progression and the pattern. So as you remember last week, we were looking for, interestingly enough, if you remember last week, I record on Monday and the episodes come out on Thursday. So I have to kind of look into the future and talk about what should be happening by about Thursday. It's not always an easy thing to do, but that's exactly what our algorithms are built to do. So let's do it again. So if you remember last week on Monday, I had talked about some work that we had done and our cycles were getting extremely oversold. And that I said that by the time you were listening to the episode, which came out on Thursday the 29th, the stock market was probably at or very near a short-term low and would probably rally or rise or go higher up into the end of this current week. So now we're in this current week, and this is going to air on Thursday, October 6th. I'm recording it on Monday the 3rd, and so I have to kind of see what's going to be happening around the end of this week, which is okay because luckily, again, our work has produced a forecast that is working. So again, last week we thought that sometime during the week of the 28th, 29th, 30th of September, the markets would become so oversold that a, I think I said five to 13 day, but probably more like five to eight rally would occur. And as you may know, on Friday the 30th, markets opened down and continued to be down. And closed out the third quarter of 2022 with the worst September performance, I think since 2008. It was, it just, it was horrible. But the good news is that since then, we've begun to rally and the markets are moving off those lows that we saw last week. Not just stocks, but also bonds and crude oil and some other risk assets. So for now, we will take that as a win. We'll see how long it lasts. But let's really discuss what's going on in the bigger picture, because as most of you are about to find out when you open your third quarter portfolio performance envelopes, you're going to see a third quarter that's awful. It's as awful as the first two quarters. And let's talk about what has been going on in the markets. So since the beginning of the year through last Friday, September 30th, the S&P is down 25%. And we're not done with the year yet. The NASDAQ is down 35%. Bitcoin is down 75%. 
And what most people think of as the safety play, bonds are down 28%. So it's not going to be a pretty quarter. It's probably not over. We're, we probably have not seen the lows in any of those assets, except maybe bonds, but certainly not in the stock market or Bitcoin. We haven't seen the lows for 2022. But as I mentioned also last week, and please go review that episode, the mapping of the market looks like a pretty good low is due sometime in the fourth quarter of this year. Since we just over entered the fourth quarter, sometime in between now and New Year's Eve, we should see a pretty decent market low, which could last three to eight months. And from that high, three to eight months from now, sometime in the late spring or early summer of 2023, we would expect to see another leg down. But that bounce that's going to come out of sometime in the next couple of months is going to be substantial. It's going to be big. It's going to be 30 to 50% in the stock market. So it's not going to be something that you want to miss. The problem is, is we're feeling so much pain. We're seeing ugly returns in our portfolios and it's freaking us out, as you'll see in an upcoming book that I'm going to be contributing to, this feeling that we all get at the same time, this herding, this crowd behavior, tends to make us use emotions for our decision making. And that doesn't typically work out in almost any venue. When you mix emotions into a, a decision, you're going to get a less optimal, a suboptimal outcome. So one of the reasons what I've done in my history, in my career, is to put together a decision support model or a decision support engine, as I call it, the DSE, which removes emotion from the process as much as possible. So that's why we're able to make these forecasts because we don't use the news of the day or anything external to the market itself when we make our forecasts. Because depending upon our mood, different news items are going to take effect or not. If we're in a good mood, then bad news really doesn't matter. If we're in a bad mood, then bad news is terrible. If we're in a good mood, then good news is phenomenal. And with the Fed helping out with $9 trillion of newly printed money in the past 10 years, we've been in a great mood and the markets have been absolutely fireworks. Stocks, bonds, real estate, crypto, you name it. Things have gone, collectibles, Ferraris, Lamborghinis, fancy purses, everything's been going up because we've been in, this, in such a good mood. But that all changed a couple of years ago when the Fed lost control of the interest rate market. And it took a couple of years for that to catch up. But eventually, earlier this year, late 2021, the Fed realized that they had lost control and that they're way behind the market rates in general. And now they're on this massive campaign to catch up with the market. The Fed doesn't set the market rates. The Fed sets the Fed funds rate, and that's the only thing they control. The market rates, the 30-year mortgage, the 10-year treasury, those things that our credit cards are based on, our financing is based on, and our business loans are based on, that's set by the market. And 
as we know, supply and demand determine price. So why have interest rates been going up so fast, so steeply? Because many businesses and many individuals are over leveraged. They're tapped out. They don't have the cash flow to support the lives they've built. And so now in order to maintain what many of us have built, we're willing to pay any amount of money to get another chance. So we don't care if the interest rate is 6 or 10%, just give us the money and let us try and fix it. As you can see, that's only good until the light turns off. And when they turn off the market light, it's ugly, which is why, like I said, S&P down 25%, NASDAQ down 35%, Bitcoin down 75%, bonds down 28%, and it's only the end of September. So that brings up Another thing that we track, which, of course, is crowd psychology. And like I said, when news is great, then bad news really doesn't register with us. So, for instance, there's this market adage that's known as sell in May and go away. Now, why is that such an important adage? Well, first of all, going back the last hundred years in the stock market, it turns out that from May 1st until the end of September, the market generally goes nowhere but down and that most of the productive movement in the market occurs from October through April. So the adage sell in May and go away is what the Wall Street insiders, the professionals remind each other so that, you know, they they take vacations to the Hamptons, they go to Europe, they do whatever they need to do to be involved less in the stock market because it's historically such a flat to negative period of the year. In a way that could be self-fulfilling, right? If enough people believe it's going to happen and stop taking action, then it's probably going to happen. But we'll go into that maybe at a different time. So for now, let's just talk about this thing, sell in May, go, sell in May and go away. Well, if you remember in May, things weren't that bad. And if you take the numbers from the beginning of the year until the end of April, yeah, things were down a little bit. Markets were lower. Portfolios were down. But they weren't horrible. Everyone thought it was a correction. No index had reached the magical 20% decline equals a bear market. And pundit after pundit after pundit paraded themselves across CNBC and Bloomberg and every other financial media outlet there is to say that, you know, we think things are okay and the Fed's going to do this and that. And what happened was they're wrong. And even to this date, with those horrible performance numbers, none of them have come on financial media and, and admitted that they were wrong or apologize for being so wrong, especially with our money, if we follow what they say. So let's just look at sell in May and go away. So if, if we forget the first part of the year from January till the end of April, and we just look at what's happened since May 1st until last Friday, September 30th. So remember that the S&P for the year is down 25%, but from May 1st, it's down 15% more than half of the S&P's loss since May 1st. The NASDAQ, which is down 35% for the year, has lost 17% since May 1st, so half of its damage just since May. Bitcoin, which is down 75% for the year, 
has lost 50% just since May 1st. And bonds, which are down 28%, has lost 13% since May 1st. So sell in May and go away is really a bad thing to ignore historically. It's proven itself historically, and it's really proven itself this year. So why do we ignore it? We ignore it because it doesn't fit with our dreams and our hopes and our desires. Those are all emotions that we humans apply to the stock market, to the housing market, to every market. We believe that since we've been successful in the last two or three years or five or 10 years or some short period of time, since we've been successful, the success must come from our internal genius. It has to be because I did it and I'm so smart. And if I'm that smart, I probably won't be wrong in the future. Well, that's a humility lesson waiting to happen. And this sell in May and go away proves it. It proves that if we just would have paid attention to a historic, statistically significant adage, data, evidence, many of us would be in much better financial shape now if we would have stepped away in May and gone away. What's another thing? So this might sound odd, but some people track the movement of the planets and those movements have effects on ourselves. For instance, from May 9th to September 30th, Mercury went retrograde. We heard about it on some financial news channels. It was written about it. You can Google it, Mercury going retrograde. In general, when Mercury goes retrograde, the theory is that if bad things are going to happen, they're going to happen when Mercury goes retrograde. Well, look what happened since Mercury went retrograde on September 9th the worst September in 22 years. Is that something that we need to take action on every year? Maybe we should just pay attention to it when we're thinking of taking action in the stock market. Again, the markets are in awful shape. We're about to get the third quarter earnings throughout middle to the end of October. We're going to get all these earnings numbers and they're going to be. So expect that any bounce in the market, as we've been saying since last week and reiterating today, up into the end of this week, by the time you hear this, the 6th to the 7th of October, maybe it stretches one more week into the 12th, 13th of October. That's probably going to be another what we call swing high or short-term high before the market rolls over again and heads down into what should be the final lows of 2022, not the final lows of the bear market, which are not really due until late 2023 to mid-2024. But sometime this fall, we should see the end of the initial bear market decline around, let's say, November plus or minus a month. Remember I said the initial bear market decline. Bear markets typically act in the following way. They decline, they bounce, and then they really decline. And it turns out that very few bear markets, well, let me say it a different way. Very few corrections in bull markets move below that first low. So let's just put that in perspective. We had our big low in June, June 16th, from the 
highs of the Dow and the S&P on January 3rd or 4th of this year, the markets fell until June 16th. From June 16th, they had huge moves, and that peaked in middle of August. Since middle of August, as of the end of September, those indexes all went down and either tested their June lows or slightly broke their June lows, all of which are back above their June lows after the last couple of days of rally. So it turns out that only one, well, this is going back 100 years, only one out of 10 corrections in a bull market go below that first initial low. So in perspective of this year, if this was just a correction in a bull market, then the June low should not have been broken last week. And it was. That's interesting. What happens when the lows of the first decline are broken? Well, historically, the minimum further decline, this goes back 100 years, is 16%. In other words, when the initial low, like we saw in June, is broken, the least amount of further damage is 16% further decline. The most amount of further damage is 38% further decline from the point of the break. So from the June low, the minimum we can now expect into sometime between now and the end of this year is 16% further decline historically. The most we would expect to see would be 38%. Well, what if this is a bigger than normal bear market? Well, then we're going to see more than 38%. So let's look at what that would mean. So the minimum, let's just take the minimum for now. If we decline 16% below last Friday's low, then the S&P, which closed last Friday at 3,600, is going to about 3,000. That's if it's 16% further decline, 3,000. With the bounce that's occurring so far this week, by the time you hear this on Thursday the 6th, you know, maybe we'll be back at 3,800. Well, to go from 3,800 to 3,800 more S&P points, that's going to hurt. That's going to hurt a lot. If it declines the most it's ever declined, which was in fact 2008, then we could see as much as a 38% further decline in the S&P, and that would target 2,200 on the S&P. That would mean that from the all-time high in January until some low later this coming, this current year, that would be more than a 50% correction in the S&P. Now, many people are probably saying right now, come on, Ken, a 50% correction in the S&P, the Fed will never let that happen. And my answer to you is, not only would they let it happen, but it has happened two other times in the past 20 years. The S&P declined from 2000 to 2002, 50%. The S&P declined from 2007 to 2009, 50%. Since 2009, the Fed has been adding trillions of dollars to the economy until now. So we had this massive move from 2009 until last year based upon the Fed jamming the system with money. What's the Fed doing now? It's withdrawing that money. We've gone from quantitative easing, QE, to quantitative tightening, QT. 
So the market action that we've seen in Fed pumping money into the system days is not the action we're likely to see with the Fed pulling money out of the system. We're probably going to see the opposite action. Here's something that's really scary. And this really is going to rock some people who show up and open their mail when it shows up in a couple of days to report their third quarter performance. There's this magical thing in finance and investments called the 60-40 portfolio. This is considered the balanced portfolio, the safe portfolio, the well-diversified way to invest your money. 60-40, 60% stocks, 40% bonds. Here's the thing. With that conservative portfolio of 60-40, so far in the first three quarters of 2022, that mix has lost 21%. That mix of stocks and bonds is almost as bad as just the S&P 500. Interestingly, the only time in history that's ever been worse is 1931, just after the roaring 20s peak, stock market peak in 1929, and in the middle of the bear market, which didn't bottom to 1932. So not only have we broken the June lows, which only happens one out of 10 corrections, putting us into not a correction, but a bear market. Not only have we seen the worst first half of a year in 70 years since 1952, not only has the conservative balanced portfolio 60-40 split just returned the worst September in history, only bettered by 1931's performance in the middle of the Great Depression crash, but we are not done with our current financial turmoil. How do we know that? Well, the market peaked nine months ago. The average bear market lasts two and a half years. That means we're a little short on the timing. So we haven't reached where we should be in time. What else? Well, the average bear market typically corrects about 50%. Well, the S&P is only down 25%, and the Nasdaq's only down 35%. So we're not there in damage yet. It's ugly, but we're not there yet. Could we be there soon? Yeah, we could. We expect to see some type of major low, not the final low, but a good low sometime in the next couple months. November, give or take a month. You might be thinking, yeah, but what about the Santa Claus rally? You know, that rally that occurs every year from Thanksgiving till the end of the year? Well, it doesn't always occur. So although we usually remember it occurring, it turns out that our memories typically only remember the good things that make us feel good, like the Santa Claus rally. So we really have to do the work to go back and be aware that sometimes short-term unfortunate situations happen, even to all of us nice people, and we have to prepare for that. How do we prepare? Well, we decide here with our portfolios down and the S&P down 25%, what our portfolios might look like if the S&P is down 50%. And we decide if we can take that. If we can't take that, then we need to do something. We need to take action. We need to remove ourselves from that risk. And that is not always a fun thing to do. So I will be here. I will not leave you. I am here to continue to apply 
our work, which has a pretty good, not perfect, but pretty good record performance of anticipating market turns, just like we anticipated the peak a year ago, and we anticipated the low going into June, and we forecast a rally going into August, and we anticipated the peak in August, and we anticipated and forecast the decline now into the end of this year, into the fourth quarter, and now we're in the fourth quarter. So this isn't really a time to jump on the bandwagon and start shorting stocks. As a matter of fact, that's a really good recipe to really hate yourself. Because typically, if anyone, the way that the market karma works, that if you've watched a market crash and you then decide to take action in that direction, at the end of it, you're about ready to get what's called whipsaw. You're going to short the market right before it bounces. Now, we know a bounce is likely. How do we know? One of the other components of our decision support engine, our DSE, part of our algorithms that our models then go and look for historical if-then circumstances. What's that mean? Well, we go back 300 years of market data and we look at these patterns of price behavior that repeat. And when we find a pattern that repeats often, we call that the if. And then we survey what has happened after all of those ifs, and we call that the then. So if if the models see an if and a high confidence then, then we tend to bet on that, or at least avoid betting opposite of that. So if the models say that the market should be declining 30 to 50%, we either bet on the decline or we avoid being in the market. So what is happening at the end of this year? Well, the end of this year is 2022. It turns out that 2022 is the 20-year cycle bottom from 2002. What was 2002? That was the end of the dot-com crash. Markets peaked in early 2000. They bottomed in October of 2002. It's now October of 2022. 20 years later. So the 20-year cycle is bottoming in the next two or three months. What else? Well, 40 years ago was the 1982 market bottom. 60 years ago was the 1962 market bottom. So the 20, the 40, and the 60-year market cycles are all bottoming in the next couple months. What else? Here's the big one. 90 years ago, was the 1932 bottoming of the 90-year cycle. 1842 was the last time the 90-year cycle bottomed prior to the 1932 Great Depression crash. And here it is again, 90 years later, 2022, 90 years from 1932, and the 90-year, the 60-year, the 40-year, and the 20-year cycles all come into a cluster of bottoms in the next three months. So what should we expect to happen? Should we expect it to be different this time? No, that's a bad idea. History typically repeats or rhymes. It doesn't always repeat perfectly. Sometimes it rhymes. And betting that it won't is a bad bet. 
They say that the four most dangerous words in investing are it's different this time. Anytime you hear somebody say it's different this time, you know they're about to lose money. You want to bet with history. You don't want to bet against history. So that's how we're going to kind of wrap up this week's podcast. I do want to kind of give a little teaser. I'm going to appear on Ken Eslick's podcast known as The Leader's Lab on Tuesday the 11th. So tune in for that. That'll be available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and wherever you're listening to my podcast. If you missed it a couple days ago, by the time you hear my next episode, I'll remind you again. If I can link it, I will. But that's going to be a really interesting conversation. Ken Eslick is a world-renowned coach and master of many things. And I would imagine he's going to have some interesting things for us to talk about. So keep your eyes on that. For now, that's going to have to do it for today. There are thousands of podcasts out there And I really appreciate you listening to mine. Thank you so much. Please hit follow so you can be notified when the new episodes post. We got you. This has been a Mission Matters Network production. Listen to this show and browse our entire catalog by visiting missionmatters.com.